Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Shirley, Eddie, Randy, and Bobby. I appreciate your all's uh, thoughts and, and participation this morning in the worship service. Uh, we are finishing up our series today on Let God Lead. And what I wanted to do as the kind of the wrap up to this series is really make it practical. What does it look like in an everyday person's life to let God lead? And so for us to to do that, I actually asked some of our own church members a few questions and they submitted some videos in response to it. And so I've got a little video that I want you guys to check out and uh, hopefully give us an idea of what it looks like in the life of an everyday person to let God lead. So video should be on the screen. For me, it means just to let go. Let God take charge of everything in your life, no matter if it's good, if it's bad, whatever it is, let him be the first person in your life. He needs to be over all and anything. It's giving that total control to God and letting him lead us to where we need to be, not where we think we need to be. In my case, letting God lead means that Um, I will do my best to trust in what he says and to pray for his guidance in um, what is happening in my life. It's very hard for me um, to just let go and let God. I have to remind myself a lot when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling anxious, when I feel like I can't handle a situation. To step back, take a breath, and then ask God to take control of the situation. When I have been able to do that in my life, amazing things have always been the result. That one is a very, very simple answer. Um, We battled infertility for 12 years in our marriage. And when we truly stepped back and let God lead and take control into the situation, um, he helped us become a family. I truly feel that God led us to our son. Uh, He had the plan all along for James and I to be parents to our sweet Graham here. Growing up, um, I went to church did everything I was supposed to, was baptized, but I truly did not know what it meant. Um, Struggled with faith off and on growing up, and then uh, I met my husband, Scott. We ended up moving, and with the military, being a blended family, um, we we were struggling in our relationship with each other, and finally we went to church with the kids in that area, and we found God again. When me and my wife, when we first got married, we were struggling very bad on everything, financial, arguing, just about anything you could think of. I wasn't the parent. I wanted to be anything. But we found a church in Katy's, Kentucky. Everything started getting good. When we came back to Beaverdam, uh, this guy named Mike Sweeney helped us find Hartford Christian Church. And ever since then, 
we've had God first, the church first, before anything else. And it's, it's a, just a big transition into our life. It's been a miracle. Everything's going good for us. Jamie gets promotions at work. I'm doing better as a father, contributing more than I ever had before. So it's just, it's amazing. For our family, letting God lead has meant that we have to turn things over to him and trust that he is going to do what he says he's going to do and he's going to take care of us. About four years ago, uh, the job I'd had for the previous 15 years came to an end because of uh, lack of grant funding. So um, I was like, whoa, you know, what are we going to do to replace that income? And if somebody had told me then, oh, don't worry about it, Sheila, you're going to be fine. You don't even need to worry about it. I would have said, man, you are crazy. But, you know, God has provided for us everything we've needed. I have had many uh, opportunities for short-term assignments and jobs. Jim has gotten a new job, a job that he has wanted for uh, several years. And, you know, we've had new grandbabies. I've been able to be with them and do the Mimi kind of things that I like to do. And, you know, God has been with us every step of the way. He has provided us what we have needed and has taken care of us because he keeps his promises. So I think when you step back and let God lead you, or you let God lead your family, um, again, amazing things will happen. And in the Hickerson family, um, God leading us helped us to become a family and be parents. One of my favorite verses is Romans 8:28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And sometimes when we're going through something or a situation, we might think, what is good in this? What's so good about this? But, you know, after we have time to reflect on that situation and, you know, we've made it through that situation and we reflect, we understand that, you know, God really did have a plan for that. And in the end, things really did work out for our best interest because God was watching over us. Because God's not going to steer you wrong. Um, he has control over, I believe, everything, um, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. So you can let God lead you to where you need to be, or you can still continue to be lost. People need to know that God should come first in their life, no matter what it is. Everyone should know this. I've been to different countries. I've been to Iraq. I've been to South Korea. I've been to Afghanistan. I've been to Cuba. I've seen those people who turn away from God, and I've seen what happens to them. I've also seen Christians in Iraq fight and give their lives for Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing just to sit there and know that you know God you know Jesus Christ, and you've heard the teachings. Thanks for listening to me. Love you, HCC.
and give a special thanks to Michelle and Sheila and Scott and Jamie for participating in that video. And, you know, that's what it looks like in everyday life, trusting God to lead your life. It can be done. You know, if we talk about it here at church and we read the scriptures and we, we, we speak highly of it, but we don't actually put it into practice, what good is it? So today what I want us to do is I want us to go through a scripture that I think is one of the foundational texts about letting God lead, and it's going to be the 23rd Psalm. Before we do, though, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for today, and thank you for just the, the testimonies that we've already heard this morning of what it means to trust in you in every aspect of our lives. God, I pray that each one of us would be encouraged to do that, Lord, in every single area, that you are good and you are in control and that we can believe in you and trust you to do what's best uh, for you and for us. So God, please be with us as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 23. If you've got your Bibles with you, we can uh, follow along together. It'll also be up on the screen. Uh, this one is uh, it's one of those scriptures that it, it's foundational for many aspects of the faith. It's one of the most popular scriptures. It, it is a comforting scripture to let us know about the kind of relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. And so we're going to jump right in and we're going to look at uh, Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This verse speaks to the relationship that we have with God, our Father. He is our shepherd. Jesus used the phrase, I'm the good shepherd, when he was telling his disciples about their relationship. Now, for some of us, that might be kind of a weird statement. We don't really think so much in terms of sheep and shepherds today. <coughs> Excuse me. But we have a lot of farmers in our area and in our church. And so you know what it's like to care for animals and to be honest, sheep were not the smartest animal there was. In fact, sheep, if left on their own, would get themselves into a lot of trouble. <coughs> Excuse me. Sheep would lead themselves astray. They would lead themselves into dangerous places. They would drink uh, contaminated water, or they wouldn't know where to find water, and so they would die of thirst. They would go into dangerous areas where predators would snatch them away. And they just tend to be prone to kind of go off on their own. They don't want to stay with the flock. So a shepherd is needed to take care of pretty much every aspect of the sheep's existence. To guide them, to protect them, to nurture them, to care for them. Sheep are even known to, if, if they're not sheared and they get too big, just to fall right over. Not even be able to hold themselves up on their own four feet. Sheep by themselves are just about helpless. And so it's interesting that God uses this picture of being our shepherd. <coughs> we need to be committed to Jesus as our shepherd, just like the sheep needs to depend on the shepherd to guide them. And what that means is, if we're going to let God lead in our life, we need to be wholeheartedly committed to Jesus Christ. We need to be all in. We don't need to just be half-heartedly trying to follow. We don't need to be looking at Jesus as our advisor. Many of us treat God like that. We want our opinions to be validated. We want to bring our, our ideas to God and say, God, is this okay, and want his approval. My wife says I'm really bad about this. 
I get in my mind something that I want to have done or uh, a way that things should be or maybe an outfit or something, you know, I already have my mind kind of made up, but I still ask her opinion. But what I'm really doing is I'm asking her to validate what I've already believed. Does anybody do that? Sometimes that's how we treat God. But that doesn't give us the option in Scripture to just let God be our advisor. We are to look to him as our shepherd. The Christian life is difficult at times. I mean, let's be honest. It's not easy following Jesus sometimes. But you know what's impossible? Doing it with only half your heart. No one can follow Jesus half-heartedly. We have to be 100% in and committed to him as our shepherd. Sheep who don't listen to the shepherd's voice will end up in a world of trouble. But look at what happens to those who do trust in the Lord. Pick up verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. One of the main roles of the shepherd is that to nurture the sheep. He has to guide them into new pastures because sheep on their own will wander away or they'll tear up the pastures that they're in. So constantly the shepherd has to lead and guide them into safe places and places of nourishment. And that's what Jesus as our shepherd does too. He guides us into places where we can be nourished. It says he leads me beside the still waters, a place of calm, a place of peace in our lives. If you want peace in your life, then you need to make sure you're following the good shepherd. You will have peace if you trust in him. There's a practice that's become more and more popular lately. It's called soul care. Has anybody ever heard of that? Where you're taking care of your soul. And it's even something that people that aren't in the church will say is needed. It's, it's almost like we've gotten to the point where we acknowledge that we are more than just the physical body. Even people that don't believe in, in God or in Jesus will say that. And so what they say by soul care is they mean that you need to get away. You need to do stuff that makes, makes your heart feel good. You need to go out and be in nature. Go for a hike. Go, go, go to a stream and listen to the water run. Or go out and volunteer. Do something good for someone else. Something that makes your heart feel good. And that's what they call soul care. And soul care really is important. It's important for everybody and it's important for the Christian, definitely. But if you do it apart from being connected to Jesus, you're, you're missing out on the true source of life and peace. You see, Jesus is that living water. He's the stream that we need to drink from. And so being connected to Jesus is absolutely essential to caring for our souls. Dallas Willard said it like this. He said, our soul is like a stream of water, which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. When that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all that we do because our soul itself is then profusely rooted in the vastness of God and his kingdom, which includes nature and all else within us becomes enlivened and directed by that stream of living water. Therefore, we are in harmony with God, 
We are in harmony with reality and the rest of human nature and nature at large by being connected to the source of living water, Jesus Christ. If you want harmony in your life, you can't have that apart from being connected to Jesus. So what that means for us is that we need to go where Jesus goes. Wherever that stream flows, that's what we need to follow. We need to quit trying to direct where Jesus is leading us in our life, and we need to submit to following him. Now, where did Jesus go? Think about his ministry here on earth. Jesus went to the outcasts, to the abused, to the neglected. He went to the places where people would talk bad about him. He was called a friend of sinners. He was called a drunkard and a glutton because he was eating meals at the homes of these people that were not the acceptable people of society. In fact, all of the, quote, good people that Jesus had interactions with, most of the time he had some pretty strong words for them because they understood the letter of the law. They understood what God's word taught, but they didn't understand the spirit behind it. They were neglecting love, mercy, grace, forgiveness. And so God, through Jesus, had some strong words for those kind of people. So what does that mean, that we go where God leads us in our life? Think about the disciples. I love their example. Because the disciples, to me, are, I'm so glad that they are just regular, ordinary people, just like us. Because oftentimes the disciples had absolutely no idea what they were doing. And when Jesus would tell them to go do something, it'd be like, okay, you're Jesus, we'll trust you and we'll do it. But they didn't know. They didn't know what they were getting into. They didn't fully understand. And it's not for us to fully understand where God leads us. It's for us to follow. So one of my favorite scriptures One of the most amazing miracles in all the Bible is found in this picture here. Bet you guys can recognize what that is. When Jesus walked on water. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've heard the story. Jesus sends his disciples out into the boat, and they're out on the Sea of Galilee, and there's a storm that comes up. And it starts tossing the boat, and the disciples are getting terrified. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking out onto the water. And the disciples are are afraid, they're terrified, they've never seen anybody walk on water, but they cry out to him, and he says, have no fear, it is I. Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, call me out onto the water. And Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on the water to Jesus. You know the story. Jesus calls him out, and Peter looks down, and he sees the waves, he sees the storm, he sees the wind, and he gets terrified, and he starts to sink. But then Jesus, in his mercy, reaches down, grabs him and pulls him up out of the water and says, why did you doubt? Why didn't you believe? And it's this amazing story of the disciples learning faith and trust in Jesus. It's this amazing story of God rescuing us in our times of doubt. But do you remember how the story actually begins? This is what I find really interesting. Look at how the story actually begins. Luke I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Jesus put the disciples in that boat. Jesus sent them out 
into the storm. And he did it so that he could do this amazing miracle. So that he could make this this phenomenal impact on their life. But they wouldn't have been in that storm if they hadn't obeyed Jesus to go there. Our text picks up in Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes Jesus will lead you into storms. Sometimes following Christ is going to be one of the most difficult decisions you have to make. And everybody else is going to say, that doesn't make any sense. You need to do what's safe. You need to do what's easy. You don't need to do this one thing or whatever it is that God's calling you to do. But Jesus is calling you to trust in him, even in the storms. So it means that practically speaking, to be a follower of Jesus and to let God lead in our lives, we need to weather the storms of life. And we need to trust that he's with us always. That if he has led us to it, he will lead us through it. And what I love about this text says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley. It's not a place where we're staying. God has led us there, but he's leading us through it. And through that period of, t- of testing, that period of hardship, we are learning to trust in the Lord. It says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherds have that, that, that crook. And that crook served several purposes. One, it was a guide. As sheep were getting away and, and walking astray, the, the shepherd would, would give them a little tap and knock, knock them in and keep them in line. So that when we wander, God's discipline gives us direction. It also was used to fight off enemies. Whenever predators would come to try to steal those sheep away, the shepherd would use his shepherd's crook to protect them. That's protection. And when the sheep would wander off and they'd get away and maybe they'd fall down a little cliff or they'd get stuck somewhere, the shepherd would take the hook and lift them up. And that's provision. That's restoration. You see, when we're in that valley of the shadow of death, God is with us every step of the way. That is a promise of Scripture that you can take to the bank. Jesus Christ has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. God is with us always to the very end of the age. Even if it doesn't feel like it where you are right now, God is with you. And you can trust in that. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. If you are a follower of Christ, you are guaranteed the victory. No matter what the circumstances are of your life, the eternal victory is yours in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can stand, no, no scheme of the enemy, nothing this world throws at us can overcome the power of Jesus Christ. Romans tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? 
Now, at first glance, you might look at this scripture and say that this is kind of like a victory party, almost like gloating in the face of the enemies. You prepare a table before me. I have a banquet set before me in the presence of my enemies. But think about what Jesus said about our enemies. Remember what he commanded us in Luke chapter 6? It says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Maybe this opportunity to have a banquet in the presence of our enemies isn't an opportunity to gloat, but it's an opportunity to share a meal with them. So to be a follower of Jesus and to let God lead, practically what that looks like is that you do good to others, even your enemies. Do good to others, even your enemies. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And that's the mandate that we're given if we're going to follow Jesus. Is as far as it depends on us to live at peace with someone. If someone is our enemy, we try to make restoration with them. It doesn't mean that it's always going to work out. The person is responsible for their own decisions. But as long as it depends on you, live at peace with them. Do good to others, even our enemies. And just think, if you can make peace with your enemy, if you can restore a brother or sister, and you can lead them to Christ, think of how much your joy would overflow. You would be truly blessed in doing so. The last verse, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. To be a follower of Jesus, let God lead practically, means that every day we trust in God's mercy and grace. Every single day we have to trust in God's mercy and grace. And doing that for us does a couple of things. One, it keeps us humble. Because it's real easy to take God's mercy and grace for granted. Especially if you've been walking this Christian walk for a long time. You start to think like, okay, I've, I've got the hang of this now. And you start to forget that you are still a sinner in need of forgiveness, that you aren't perfect. And so when you think of the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of Jesus Christ daily, that reminds you that you didn't deserve it. You did nothing to receive it. It's only by God's goodness that he gave it to you. And it keeps us humble. But the second thing it does is it keeps us hopeful. On the one hand, it keeps us from getting too full of ourselves. But on the other hand, it also reminds us that when we mess up, it isn't dependent on our perfection. God's goodness, grace, and mercy is not dependent on us being as perfect as we most possibly can be. So that when you mess up, you realize that it's Christ's righteousness that you're claiming, not your own. And that you're trusting in his divine goodness and his perfection, not my own. So you don't have to fear. God is good. And then the last part of the verse says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The hope of eternal life is one of the greatest gifts that we have. Every single person who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior has the hope of one day spending eternity in heaven with Him. 
And that is something that should keep us going each and every day. But it's not just a free pass to heaven. Living for the Lord begins today. Eternity begins now. Forever starts now. The moment that you give your life to Christ, the moment that you are baptized into him, you are experiencing a part of eternity because Jesus Christ lives within you and he guides you. So don't just think that eternity or heaven is something that's just somewhere in the distant future. For us, it begins today. I've heard it said that for the Christian, this is the this world is the only hell they'll ever experience. But for the non-Christian, this world is the only heaven. Some of us have decisions that we need to make. Maybe they're private, personal decisions to go and restore a relationship with someone. Maybe there are things that we know that are hidden in our hearts that we need to confess to the Lord. Or maybe it's a decision to become a first-time follower of Jesus Christ. It's a decision to be obedient into the waters of baptism. It's a decision to make that public confession of faith. Psalm chapter 23 is an amazing scripture that gives us an outline of what it means to follow Jesus practically. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. I shall not want. That's supply. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside still waters. That's refreshment. He restores my soul. That's healing. He leads me to the paths of righteousness. That's his guidance. His name's sake is his purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's testing. I will fear no evil. That's protection. For you are with me. That's faithfulness. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. You anoint my head with oil. That's consecration. My cup overflows. It's abundance. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's security. Forever. That's eternity. That's what Jesus Christ offers to us who will follow him. Will you make the decision today to trust God to lead? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you give us guidance, protection, hope, a future, forgiveness, purpose, restoration. All the blessings that we could ever imagine are found in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that each one of us would experience the peace, the goodness, the abundance of Jesus. And that we would submit every area of our life to you. Thank you for the examples that we've seen in the video and that we've read in the scripture and that we know in our own lives of what it means to faithfully follow you. Please be with each one of us now and help us to decide to follow you more each and every day.
We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to offer a time of invitation.